been a big consensus about what happened at the site. The Eskimos, as well as the European travelers, as well as the European uh, colonials, as well as the Hindus, thought that the Babri Masjid had replaced, had forcibly replaced a Hindu temple. There was a trial about this in the 1880s where a British judge gave the final verdict and he admitted, as no one in his court had put in doubt, he admitted that yes, this uh, Eskimo long ago destroyed this Hindu temple. But, he added, since that happened centuries ago, it's now a bit too late to remedy the condition. So he left it at the status quo, also probably because he feared that if, if anything broke the status quo, then, you know, it's opening the Pandora's box and you don't know what will follow. So you see in the British policy of uh, having as little as possible any of these uh, communal confrontations, it seemed wiser, or so the judge thought, of uh, just letting everything stand as it was. And the secularists in the 1980s could have taken the same position. They could easily have said, well, yes, you see, the Eskimos were a bit unfair 400 years ago, but that is no reason to repeat this thing in the opposite direction today. That's what they could have said. However, at the time they were so drunk with their power position that they were unsatisfied with this. Instead, they took a more ambitious position. They overruled the consensus of centuries before across all communities. And they challenged that consensus. They said, no, there has never been a temple there. Ergo, no temple demolition. So until then, before this British judge, for example, the question had been, can Hindus rebuild their temple at the site? Now the question became, but was it ever their site? Now in view of the contrary evidence, of which a bit more has accumulated since then, but of which already plenty had been available before that, in view of the contrary evidence, and in view of the total lack of any evidence whatsoever on their side, it is a bit reckless to raise doubt about the sacredness of the site for Hindus where they held that an important temple had stood. So these secularist historians really had no leg to stand on. However, that would presuppose that there was some history authority that would berate them, that would strike them down from heaven. And you know, that, that didn't happen. In the West, for example, which counts as authoritative for them, there was no school of history that would interfere and say, no, 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 you have it wrong. Of course there was a temple there. Although there had been several uh, books about the history of the site 
by Peter van der Veer, as well as by, what's his name again, Sandia, you have the book, the big book, hmm? Hans Bakker, exactly. Um, so, Hans Bakker and Peter van der Veer, both in separate books, separately, had documented the Hindu history of the site, yet suddenly they climbed down from their position. And they certainly didn't exert any pressure on the secularist historians in India to rethink their sudden, uh, their sudden position. So there was no one berating them. They could get away with anything. You know, it was a comfortable position. It was not true, but they could get away with saying an untruth. Whereas, by contrast, those who said the truth about Ayodhya, they were punished for it. Also, given the sacred status of the site for Hindus today, it was a rather brutal expression of sheer contempt for the Hindus to take that position. Because for no other religion is this question ever asked. Hey, justify, justify the reason why the Temple Mount should be sacred. Justify why the Vatican is sacred to you. This is never asked. A secular government has no business asking this. 